Let's get spooky. It's game shows, I suppose. and welcome to the niche podcast about the one thing that I know something about game shows i suppose i'm your host jordan haas we have a fantastic show today chris and vera will be stopping by to talk about secrets of the crypt keepers haunted house i don't know why i was doing a bad count chocula impression let me try again <clears throat> secrets of the crypt keepers haunted that's more olmec <clears throat> Secrets of the Crypt Keeper's Haunted House. <sighs> Secret. Secrets of the Crypt Keeper's Haunted House. Secrets of the Crypt Keeper's Haunted House. I, I don't know what the hell that voice was. I Look, I, I've been stuck at home for almost three and a half months now. Uh, let's get started with the news. There is no news to report. Back to you. Uh, actually, we'll just go through some of them. So this week, uh, Masklinger has their Super 9. It's a two-hour special. Hooray. Uh, Mental Samurai makes its return this week. I think it's just season one being replayed. So, hey, experience the, the thrill of Ava again. Um, also, uh, as a special because of coronavirus, a lot of people are staying indoors, uh, HQ apparently returned for a hot moment here. Um, all the money is going towards COVID-19 relief efforts with every price matched and donated. Don't know how or why or the need other than you're indoors. Here's a game show, but sure, good time to bring HQ back in a, in a short time. Uh, I still think uh, it needs a better uh, people at the top working on the show. Uh, that maybe it's a little form of too low, too late, but Hey, if you like HQ and I mean, that was a big thing in the late 2010s. Hey, go check it out. Uh, and finally BYU television has uh, unscripted premieres. Uh, there is a couple of shows, uh, coming to the Bingham young university television, which is also available online. Uh, one is called Wayne Brady's comedy IQ. It's a competition series with Wayne Brady and hosted by him as well, uh, in which young kids across the country compete in one-of-a-kind performers boot camp to demonstrate comedy IQ. Challenges are multifaceted with writing, directing, performing, and creating comedic and musical content. Along the way, teens learn universal skills that can bring them success to the real world. So basically, communication is important, and teamwork is great too. Improv comedy. Uh, and also, uh, they're also picking up CBBC's Step Up to the Plate. The kitchen crew, made up of kids 10 to 14, run a busy restaurant dealing with obstacles they would face in the real world. Themed menus, including diner, zombie, tropical, medieval, and magical, stretch their imaginations. 
Step Up to a Play was acquired by Cineflex, who also owns HGTV's Property Brothers and American Pickers. That's it with news. I really, I like, I got nothing. Uh, go watch Buzzer. The NARS concentration's good. Uh, so, instead of a normal, like, newsy segment, I'm going to do the, the, the review segment now. Um, pretend I'm playing the theme song to Catchpoint. I already reviewed Catchpoint a while back, but they just started Series 2, but they changed the rules up, and I figure, well, because they changed up the rules for Series 2, I'm going to change, I'm going to explain the rules to Catchpoint. So, Catchpoint is a game where there is 10 screens and 10 little chambers and a giant roof with 10 little buckets full of big yoga balls and then like little playground balls. Uh, there is a trivia question and the answers are displayed on the screen. So it'll be like 0 to 10, 10 11 to 20, et cetera, et cetera. And then it's like, uh, what's the average age of somebody who blahs? So the closer you are the correct answer, the closer you are to the ball. The correct answer will have a pink ball drop down, and if you catch it, you get the money. If you don't catch it, or you're in the right position, but you fail to catch it, you lose. It gives a sense of uh, interest because if you're even wrong on the question, you're still not out of it if you have enough agility to grab the ball. So that's kind of a fascinating part of catch point. So it has a bit of a sports motive. Patty McGinnis is the host from Take Me Out over there, and it's a likable show. So, in round one, uh, it's played with two teams of two people. Couples, we'll say couples at this. Uh, player one of the team plays for 100 pounds on a question with a big yoga ball. The second question is played for 200 pounds, and it's played with the same big ball, but there's big decoy balls as well. Then you rinse repeat with the other team. In round two, it's a new format called Double Catch. There's two questions per round with five possible answers on each side so we go into like the history of different things like we can go from the history of like the last 10 u.s presidents and then with the back five which one of these did this and then which one of the modern presidents did that uh it's a blue section and a pink section one drops and then three seconds later the next drop happens uh, with each catch, uh, with the big balls, it's worth 300 pounds, meaning if you get two right with your player one, that's 600 pounds. Uh, well, the next player in your team gets th the playground balls, the much smaller balls, which drop a lot faster, for 400 pounds, making it 800. We rinse repeat with the other team, and as we all know, a smaller ball, faster fall. They don't say it on the show, I just kind of wish they would bring that up. Make it some sort of like catchphrase. Anyway, round three is quick catch. This is the final round. This is the catch-up round. Because every third round is basically a catch-up round in game shows these days. There's 45 seconds to get as much correctly. One player must be standing at over in the drop zones. While the other one will be standing at the podium. Slamming the button when they want to lock in an answer. When they lock in, the ball immediately drops and they have to catch it. The time stops and then we reset with a new question. The first correct answer is worth 100 pounds, and it goes up for every correct answer. So the second correct answer is worth 200, then 300, then 400. By the way, if you get four, that means 1,000. It's one plus two plus three plus four, uh, and so on. Whoever's in the lead gets to choose their category as well. So as here's like a geography question with a map of the world. Uh, here's something involving speeds of animals, etc. 
the players on the team switch back and forth after each locked-in question. Whoever has the most money at the end of round three gets to go on to the final. Losing team doesn't get any money. Oh, well. As we move on to the final round, here's how the game works. Similar to Double Catch, which was the round two game, but both players play the same question. One player goes on the left side with five possible answers, and one goes on the right side with the other five. One catch on their five gets to keep their pot of money. So you won like 3,000 pounds, you catch it, you win the 3,000. But because it's two questions, if you catch both balls, you double the money. The 3,000 becomes 6,000, you walk away with six grand. However, you get your question wrong and you fail the catch, you lose the money. If you get the second one and you fail, you lose the money. So you can either double, get the same, or lose everything. There's no more 10,000 pound top prize. Oh well. So it got me thinking, how would you Americanize this version? Uh, so that's why I decided, uh, here's my version. Uh, we go Americanized version would be $1,000 for questions one and two. Uh, then we go for the double points version for a thousand each in round two, 1,000, 1,000, making it 2,000, uh, making it possible 4,000 in that round. So there's already 6,000 in the bank. And then the speed round, it's just 30 seconds with $1,000 each. The winner collects their money and they get to go into a final round where it's played like this. But if they catch their money, they double their money. But if they get both, they win the grand prize of $50,000 hosted by somebody from ESPN. Uh, so that, that's how I would have done uh, Catch Point. It's an interesting game on BBC. It's You have to find it. I use I went to the Beebs to get it, but if you have VPN, uh, you should be okay. Uh, pay your TV license. You're probably stuck indoors. Figure out a way to watch British uh, game shows. They're a very fascinating uh, subspecies of quiz show. Uh, this one still doesn't really strike the same itch as Five Gold Rings, but I like it a bit more than that because it's a little bit more um, uh, trivia-based. You can do multiple choice. If they wanted to, they could have just... 10 answers with words on them, but they like to do images, and I kind of enjoy that. They kind of have it more visual. This season, a lot more bright. Uh, it's still a little dark and sinister, though, which I guess is most primetime game shows, but eh, still fine with me. I give it a solid uh, B+. I'm going to B plus this time. I was going to go A. I'm going to go B plus. I think the scoring system still needs work, but I like that they're trying to fix it. And now let's start today's episode. Richard Donner, 
David Glyer, Walter Hill, Joel Silver, and Robert Zemeckis all got involved in a game show. That's right, Richard Donner of Superman and Robert Zemeckis of Back to the Future have a connection to the world of game shows. Ironically enough, through their horror anthology series Tales from the Crypt from the iconic comic book franchise. Paired with Eden Keller and Jack Wall from Tales from Crypt Productions, they decided to devise a spin-off game show for CBS Saturday Mornings, featuring the Taylor Crypt Keeper, once again played by John Kasser, as a team of uh, kids take on another team of kids through spooky challenges. This is one of the weirdest game shows ever devised because, well, put bluntly, Tales from the Crypt isn't really family-friendly. Um, but... Because it's uh, over-the-top campiness in terms of horror. Of course, it would make for a Saturday morning cartoon series and a game show. So, today, Chris and Vera will be stopping by as we approach the Crypt Keeper's Haunted House. Why do I keep doing that? Anyway, we have a lot of fun here talking about Crypt Keeper's Haunted House. And there might be a surprise in store as well. Let's turn the tables. With me on the line is premiere Twitch streamer and good old-fashioned cutie pie, Chris Amvera. Welcome so much to the show. It's cool to be talking to you, Jordan. Oh, I did not see that coming. I might have to uh, hide from my mummy. <laughs> oh, boy. I might this to... show. Hello, uh friends and ghouls uh, uh <laughs> boils and ghouls it's uh <sighs> we we had to take more time we're not as good as the writers on this show oh hang on let me do the introduction oh. sequence I, i'll do the introduction oh. sequence from from as the crypt keeper here we go <clears throat> and now it's showtime from universal studios florida it's secrets of the crypt keeper's haunted house it's time now for battling ghosts and surviving slimy swamps where every room presents another morbid challenge, another eerie and impossible mission for all those snoopy kids who dare to enter my chambers of horror. <laughs> and now our host, here's Steve Saunders. Thanks, CK. So we have, <laughs> let's have a wild blowy. time here. It's going to be all that and a bag of chips. Woohoo! <laughs> That's right, CK. We're here in the Crypt Keeper's haunted house. I am the whitest guy acting black right now. <laughs> Oh boy, I it look like I have I might have a soul patch. I'm not sure, but I probably should have because the way I'm so hip and cool. He's so hip and cool. He has an over button. He has a button shirt over a sh regular shirt because <laughs> that was fashionable in '97. Wild, it's wild, and he calls the creep hitter CK, which. I guess they're friends. I guess they're buddies. That's my friend CK. We like to hang out at Dave and Buster's together. This is my buddy CK. Uh, we uh, play games with young kids, and then if they, they lose, the Crypt Keeper kills them. And I watch. I don't call you SS. <laughs> oh, boy. No, don't. <laughs> is it Steve Saunders? Uh, this is the. Oh, we. <laughs> 
episode is the secret of the Crypt Keeper's Haunted House. I'm going to figure that out. <laughs> but uh, it's one of the strangest game shows I can ever think of. And I can't believe you decided I want to do this episode. <laughs> uh, you know, I watched a couple. Uh, this was a childhood favorite uh, of mine. I was just, uh, oh, this is weird. I, this thing that scares me as a child I is now with kids. And uh, it's uh, having fun. It's great. This was, uh, I will point this out right now. This is a rare breed of game show because mostly when we talk about a kid's game show on the show, we think of like Nickelodeon, you know, one of those cable channels. Uh, of course, yeah. We you th- we think of, um, was it, not Gak. It wasn't, what guts? was this? Gut. There you go. It was, we think of Guts. We think of that weird sort of game show, but sort of like, uh, was it a health conscious PR thing that like, what was it? It was Go a kid. It was a ha- no, it was a, a Omar. It had Omar Gilling. Oh, wild and crazy kids. There we go. Wild and crazy kids. Yes. Was, was that officially a game show that or was it just a game show? Uh, they I... even brought it back in the early two thousands. No. Why? Why would he do that? Did it have Omar Gooding? No, they had two. They had, uh, why? then you failed. Then there's no point to no, this. They was... had Maddie Moralejo. It, it was great because it was just this one guy instead of like Donnie Jeff Coat and Jessica Haynes. It was just, yes, there you go. It was just this one I, guy going, "What's up, guys? It's your friend Maddie Moralejo, and we're here with the kids from Spy Kids, and we're oh, going to no. do." And, and they always like to abbreviate it as whack because wild and crazy kids. <laughs> so it's we are whack at the beach. We are whack at the park. We're whack now, at did the they realize golf course. That- <laughs> now did they realize eventually that that's a, a euphemism for masturbation <laughs> no and they even said we're whacking off once <laughs> we're whacking off today it's our day oh. let's have a whack session oh maddie morlejo and we're gonna get whipped cream all over our faces Oh yeah! Hey, remember, kids, you're whacking off too. Remember to drink some water and keep hydrated because you're gonna sweat plenty. Oh no, it's really it was like best. <laughs> Jesus. So this is a rare of of a of a CBS. This is on CBS Saturday mornings. When I think CBS Saturday mornings, I think of like Garfield and Friends, <laughs> and instead, no, uh, this CBS. is wow. This is weird. Yes, I don't remember ever. Yeah, CBS does not come to mind for Saturday mornings, but I guess I I did watch this show, so I must have like just channel surfed and saw it. This was CBS 1996-97. I should point this out because that is like the permanent year of like the 90s era nostalgia, like Pokemon was about to start. You had all yeah. of these new things, Power Ranger, all of these things were blending in together. Well, we'll, we'll, when we say what one of the prizes is, we'll pretty much encapsulate to what year it was. Uh, yeah. uh, but, but it wasn't the Blueberry iMac, though. <laughs> oh, no, it was. Yes, it was the. It, was it said the Macintosh. Macintosh. Yes. Was that the same one from Blank Check? Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. You know what? I think you're right. It was from the Blank there you go. So every, that's the touchstone for that Mac. Is It's the one from Blank Check, the one that had the voice. Oh, <laughs> Text to speech. I have to rewatch Blank Check now, don't I? Oof. I thought I saw that was like two years ago. That movie. Uh, the, also, just, 
<laughs> it's just uh yeah though just uh, keep in mind that was it was in the 90s it was okay for an adult woman to be sexually attracted to a young boy <laughs> this moment brought to you by the libertarian party age of consent laws mm-hmm. do not exist Oof. also dane cook's new comedy special i don't know <laughs> oh yeah okay that makes sense uh, so I should also point those out here. This is the Crypt Keepers Haunted House. So it is based off the uh, beloved HBO uh, horror anthology series, Tales from the Crypt, uh, based off the popular graphic novel chain. Yes, it was fam- uh, famously uh, EC Comics. Uh, it's one of their uh, premier like uh, horror anthology books. Uh, and then it was, yeah, adapted to... A very weird, now looking at a very weird TV show, because it's a horror anthology that's kind of scary, kind of silly, and then kind of horny. <laughs> it fit all the criteria. It, like, yeah, like you would have a normal, was it the first episode was, uh, who was it? It was um, Back to the Future director. Um, oh, uh, Robert Zemeckis. Was Robert Zemeckis' adaptation of the the. Uh, Santa's, uh, I forget the name of the story, but essentially is like a serial killer dressed up as Santa, uh, arrives at like a murder scene and then stalks the mother. And that's the first episode. And like, that's a generally like great horror, like little horror movie. Like that's fantastic. But then you would have episodes that was just like boobs. It was just boobs, ladies, boobs everywhere. They also had Richard Donner do an episode too. They had such weird, yeah. They had Superman Richard Donner himself, <laughs> Superman. But then there was also like Arnold Schwarzenegger did an episode, and <laughs> it's it's one of those. I think it's one of those cold. Michael J. Fox did one. I remember. Uh, yeah, it was always funny because like every it seemed like like at least in the early nineties, it was always like that was always a brief like big celebrities directing a Tales from the Crypt episode, and you're like, what? <laughs> Yeah, it's weird, but it was a, it was a good sh- like well, it was a a good show that had hits and misses, but it was relatively a great show horror. that like if you love campy horror and you know what that's like the one genre of horror I really love is just that over the top frantic. Of course, yeah. So the Evil Dead's and the like the early Peter Jackson's like very silly campy horror, yeah. but then uh, <laughs> you, like, you know we don't have we kind of don't have that anymore, I guess. America, uh, you're in a suburban uh, neighborhood and then like oh the former owner of the vinyl record store mysteriously disappeared the kid get a vinyl record and it's the voice of the o- former owner <laughs> and you're like oh this is creepy yeah it's a fun little story like that there's the one with Don Rickles and uh, Bobcat Goldthwait that's actually kind of weird and gross uh, Don Rickles playing a ventriloquist. Uh, ventriloquist. <laughs> you big dummy. <laughs> you big... calling a dummy, dummy. Oh boy! And then the reveal. It, it, uh, sorry for spoilers. It's the. It turns out his hand is actually his deformed twin from birth. That and that's who's actually speaking. And also has murderous intent. <laughs> it's, so with all this grim, gruesome, bloody murder and occasional nudity. Uh, <laughs> Why not make a kids TV show out of it? Let's. Well, it was like after the, Crypt, the Tales from Crypt show ended, they kind of had like two years of fading into it because of repeats. So they decided we need to keep the Crypt Keeper image. We need to still have him. So let's do a game show for kids. 
Let's surround kids with this disgusting, uh, decrepit, half mummy, half uh, uh, circus freak. Like that's yeah. that's his origin, by the way. If you want to know the origin of the crypt keeper, he's the the child of a uh, sadly deformed uh, circus freak and an ancient mummy. And uh, funny enough, John Casser was like served as the narrator and was the crypt keeper in the original run, so he still lent his voice to. <laughs> yes, yeah, so one uh, the second Buster Bunny, not the first, but he, he was a Buster Bunny at one point, <laughs> which you can hear in his laugh. You can hear some laughs of Buster Bunny. <laughs> Horrific. Oh terrifying because he's a voiceover artist uh, that's what he okay. does for a living these days and for a while and he was a crypt keeper. <laughs> he would move the hand and the thing is i think they recorded those either at this like well into advance or before air because they always they oh yeah you can tell the the parts where the crypt keeper is interacting with the cameraman that is filmed completely separate from <laughs> the the actual show it's a hundred percent uh <laughs> there are times where yeah these are obviously canned reactions because he's a i hate these kids oh, oh have a nice trip foiled again <laughs> like you're you're not saying names you're not saying you're not doing you're clearly not live and then all they had video. Was like post credit ADR work. That's right, CK. And that's why the skull duggers ended up with 50 points. <laughs> CK. Sean Saunders. <laughs> it was criminal. so horrible. It's, it's one of those things where it's like rewatching it now, you're just like, oh, this is a hot mess of a show. <laughs> I guess I should explain the rules. I haven't explained the rules of the show, so. Picture this. We are at Universal mm-hmm. Studios Hollywood, and there's a spooky, I guess, tombstone. <laughs> I guess we were at Graveyard House. It didn't really look like the front house of a of a house um, until you go into it inside the door, which is a second studio. And mm-hmm. it's a game show where it's two teams of two best friends. One's a red team and one's a black team because horror colors. Exactly, it, yes. With all... terrifying names, with horrifying names known as the Slavs and the Hogs. And it's all it's like that, you know what, it was that late, it was that, you know how it's like, it was an offshoot of the 80s and that 90s, you know, like the creepy crawly era of horror where it's like, the, the brothers who would like, oh, you're gross, you're eating worms and slugs and gross stuff, you gross. So it was all like all the teammates were all like gross things. It was supposed to be like, oh, it's it's the maggots and oh, it's the it's the slugs. Oh, it's the slime balls. Just yeah, very PG grossness. You can't go any further. They can't. They couldn't be any kind of this any weirder discussion. Oh, look, the hot pus boils or the. Fucking uh, here's Dr. the pimple com- popper. Come <laughs> the horn dogs. Yeah. Uh, the Catholic Church. Uh, what? Uh, so, uh, they had oh, uh, so they had two teams, and they would play four different games. Now, three of them would rotate. Then there was a fourth that was like over the top game, and then there was the fifth and final that never changed. So, I guess I got to go through all of the challenges, and boy, for one season wonder of a game show, 
they sure had a lot of different challenges, such as Fireball Alley, which was the one we saw today. It had a big CGI skull. His name is Digger. Oh, boy. Digger. Like Skull Dig... Not Duggar, which wouldn't make sense. Like Skull Duggery. Digger. (laughs) (laughs) We can't can't make fun of them. They were highly highly paid... Hollywood writers that were coming up with such fantastic characters as Digger, who was a (laughs) giant skull. Who who shot out volleyballs at kids who were standing on a bridge. (laughs) And they had to play like soccer. They had to block the volleyballs away from to protect their little like like monoliths yeah the little, yeah they're little headstones that they had to they're gonna get hit over and that's how they were scored it was a uh was it, it was like i forget pin- remain digger would give a list of four items and each list yes. identified would give them five points so a total of 30. that's what it was they were gonna uh, yeah for every headstone they would get a question and then they got the question right they get five points right and the questions were such like they, they were all what mess- these things have in common. <clears throat> yes. Owl, as- sparrow, crow, canary. <laughs> Bird. the, the, the birds, birds. Oh, birds. looks like you got one right. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, darn yeah. it, the kid is smart. <laughs> yeah, the fucking Crimgear is getting all pissed off because he got... The question about the birds, right? <laughs> there was one that freaked me out because they asked, what is these all have in common? It was Kramer, George, <laughs> Elaine, Newman. Wait, no, there's no way. Hey, the kids got it. The kids got all characters of Seinfeld. Now, what if they had all six clues and so then he can say soup Nazi? <laughs> the lady who looked bad in the light, so they call her Two-Face. She was Two-Face, get it? Yeah, that was it. And the kids all would say start, and they get five points each. Or if they fall off the bridge, the game ends and they explode into a fireball. GIF. The second game is called Worminator. It was usually in the second round, required both players to cross a wind tunnel while exchanging balls at three uh, strategic points. Any dropped balls will be vaporized. Uh, That's what they call it, I guess. Is were any players that fell off the platform? Though this is also in and no longer in play. At the end of the tunnel was a pair of bins. Every ball deposited were in 10 points. If the team not posited any balls and bins in 30 seconds, both team members would be vapor. I like how they have to say vaporize. They can't say dead or blow up in the fireball ship. No, no. And then somehow they were vaporized yet show up in the next game. Completely fine. No harm, no foul. It should- Unscathed. <laughs> Someone was like watching uh what was it, Nightmare in the UK went, Oh, I like it when they just blow up. <laughs> and they went, Oh, we still have to do a game show. Never mind. Also keep the graphic. It don't we, no reason to update it. Let's keep it the same nineteen eighties burning up graphic. The same nineteen eighties uh CGI skull that you would see in like a video game commercial for like a dungeon sequence game. Hey, oh no, it's the giant skull. Watch out when you play Adventure for Atari 2600. The, that skull also, like, stretch out his eyes and tongue in a gross fashion. Hey, kids, Ugh. it's me, Bonesy. Bonesy here is saying there's no bones about it. You will be having a ghoulish good time when you play my new game. <laughs> uh, okay. Funny Bones. 
Now, if you excuse oh, me, thanks, I'm going to... Oh, love, I love funny bones. <laughs> funny my bones? My favorite Christmas gift. <laughs> There's an uh, absolutely stuff humorous about it. Now, ask your parents for now. Available at all KB toy stores and Toys R Us locations worldwide. <laughs> oh, I asked my parents, and it's still the 80s, so they hit me with a bell. Oh, oh no. Listen, I didn't make it up. Listen. <laughs> Swamp from Hell. It was a different time. Let it go. Swamp from Hell was the one we saw, by the way. This was the one we saw in the episode, which was what I would say was the most fucked up. First of all, Hell isn't its name. This was at the time when it's like you can't say Hell on TV for kids. Yeah. It was, yeah. There was the Swamps of Hell where a child is trapped in a cage and slow, uh, slightly lowered into a pits of lava. Timeless classic. Timeless in today's 2020 generation. There are kids in cages descending into hell. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. So so one kid had to bounce on a trampoline to grab skulls and then go into like a platform to put skulls uh as possible as one descends and it's kind of like if you can't save your partner in 60 seconds they're eliminated and instead of like a fizzling smoke effect or something that shows it's hollow because this is like a playstation one video game <laughs> they use the same fucking fireball that jiff graphic as one of those like yeah, angry so the, reviewers. The, same, the same kind of farty fire that is just a poof Poof! They cover it in fire. Like, oh no! And what I love yeah, about part- it is the person in the cage can't really do much, so they just have to keep saying, like, in the worst <laughs> acting possible, how they need help. Hey, hey come on! Hey, hey, come on I'm here! Go- come going down. Hey, you can oh, do no. it. Hey, this is hey, fire. Hey, I'm gonna die if, I, hey, if you don't save oh, me. Oh no! Um, oh no! The cage is going. I'm the fire. There's the lava below the, me. The-, the prisoners keep saying there's fire below me. I just see green. But sure, there's fire. I don't want to die. <laughs> Gotta save me, I guess. Uh, that part, that part was edited out to make sure to keep the kayfabe, keep the air. <laughs> keep the they kept the, going. Yeah, <laughs> hey, can't shut up. They they edited that part out, but they edited the part out with the kid tried to like. There's some va- uh, vamping. There's some hosts like, hey man, what are you doing? You having a good time in there? How's the cage? And, um, uh, I'm hanging. I'm hanging. I'm, it's just uh, just stuck here in the cage. All I'm, right. I'm hang- and then he's trying to make a joke of I'm hang- hanging up here, and then the go- the host just completely ignore- ignores him. <laughs> well, I would save you, but I have a hosting job to do. Yeah, that's great, buddy. Don't worry about it. Do a- hope you- your partner saves you from that lava death. You sure See, thing. See, this is why, because he said kayfabe, we need Jim Ross <laughs> to be doing commentary over this. Because imagine six seconds go by, explosion. Jeff plays over the character. Good God Almighty! Good God Almighty! My God! My God! My He's covered fire! The lava pit. He's covered! He's been killed! He's been taken over by the lava! He will, Jared will learn how to say things in exciting ways without mentioning the kid actually dying. Because he, he, he's a professional, Steve not like Sean Saunders. Steve just goes, looks like CK got a win in this one. Oh, yeah, his buddy CK. My buddy CK got a win on this one. My buddy is a thousand-year-old crypt keeper who <laughs> might possibly be murdering these children. We're not sure. My best friend may or may not be the yeah. lead donor in the Republican command. <laughs> That's right. Friend, the Donald Trump. 
Oh, boy. That's why there's all these kids in cages. Uh, fourth, uh, oh. fourth, game, fourth game, always in the third round, was the Shrinking Room game. Uh, now, the Shrinking Room, now the graphics in the Shrinking Room was slightly impressive for the time. I thought it looked okay. It was, uh, it was, it was basically, it was like one of those uh, crunching rooms where the flats would start pushing in, kind of like a garbage disposal scene in Star Wars. And sometimes the roof would descend as well. And the whole idea was you had to get letters to spell out different words. Uh, yes, uh, this and this episode we got uh, words for animals. Now, uh, wh- and also the, Digger the... would return. Hey guys! Oh yeah, yeah the comments. <laughs> Because, of course, Digger can comment, but not the Crypt Keeper. For some reason, it's almost like he wasn't there on the day of filming. He's saying some words, but, you know, uh, it looks like a cat caught my tongue. That's right, CK. I'm just, I'm the, I'm the bone man, and I'm going to, I'm Digger, and I'm going to comment for you. Don't worry. Don't stress out. <laughs> It's what? me, Bo- Boner, the, the Skull Man. <laughs> it's me, Boner, the Skull Man, with my crazy eyes and tongue flapping all over the place. Blue, blue, blue. <laughs> there. Oh, no, it looks like Boner has a puzzle for the kids. <laughs> oh, no. I don't want to solve Boner's puzzle. <laughs> Boner it's, always something about, it's always something about erections. <laughs> always. And then suddenly Viagra ad appeared because it was the 90s and it was a new hot commodity. And you get, you get <laughs> CBS that stuff after during... all. I mean. Yeah. That's right. There are a bunch of old people with their kids and the old people are like, yeah, I can use some boner pills. So for each word, they got five points, solved all six, and shouted the word at the top of the list. Before time expired, they got an extra 10 points, so 40 points available. If you haven't figured it out yet, that means you can get so far up to 100 points because 30, 30, 30, 40. If you got all everything 100%, which these kids did not, because they were, frankly, bad. They were bad, they were ba- and it's like Nick Arcade. They couldn't figure out what's going on because all you see is green screen most of the time. <laughs> uh, don't go behind those walls. And you know, like some poor like challenge creator and producer is like, yeah, you see the green screen. Now there's some like tape there. If you could just like avoid going past the tape because that's an elimination and that means your your the round ends could so you should just really just keep standing straight for us. Oh my god. And that's uh, also why that second team could not spell several animals names correctly. Very <laughs> elementary. Cannot spell alligator. Cannot spell alligator, cannot spell weasel, cannot spell eagle. <laughs> very upsetting very damning of our public school systems this was uh advocacy for literacy rates it this was in the 90s so these kids are in like 20 years plus now just think where they are right now in life well they're all from florida so you know what they're probably you know ha- owning gas stations and selling meth on the side <laughs> Round four. I can say that I'm a Florida native. The Miami 305. Don't come at me with that shit. Me, I just I my favorite person from Florida is Pitbull, Mister Worldwide. He's where the party's at. Dolly. See, there you go. I'm. Also, I guess we should also say like Franklin. 
so so the forefront is usually a bigger game played with like a better graphic package the one we saw today was called the abyss where it, this is a fun one because what do kids love most of all math and numbers now you're now you're telling now listen some people math is pretty hard and so what's are they just going to answer math questions normally, like a pen or paper, or no, or maybe they like... have these numbers basically taped onto a fake brick wall, and then use a rope ladder to touch the butt, touch the number that corresponds with it. If it's not that, it's a how many is in a blank question. Fantastic! Make it as as difficult as possible for these kids to answer anything correctly. Because otherwise it wouldn't be a game show. Or if the player falls off, they were vaporized and turned to an effect. But they would still Va- okay, uh, yes. We didn't get to see them vaporized, which is sad. Because I w- would have loved if they if they used the fire graphic for a third time. There was one you didn't see, which I thought was like the stupidest game of all time. Uh, it was called Ghost Battle. Um, oh, no. It was one person gets to joust, digger the skull again. Oh, Boner's back. <laughs> and this time, Boner is like a full body mannequin, and it looks like a real shitty fighting game. <laughs> like, we're talking oh. worse than Tekken. Oh, boy. So, you said, oh, too bad you didn't see it because it was kind of bad. I would love to see it now. Now I'm going to look up, look it up and see some fucking digger and a little kid joust battle. Yes. Can't they, wait. They had to joust. Basically, they had to hit the shield of Boner Skeleton. Let me keep calling him Boner. I don't want to call him Digger. I want Boner. Boner's a better name. Boner's a better name and uh, seems more appropriate. It's more appropriate for the show. If the player hits the shield five times, the skeleton would flap in the air and explode, and their team scores five points, presumably falling off the platform, turns them into the fireball jet. Now, the video you saw, did any of the kids actually do the thing successfully, or was it kind of embarrassing? Oh, surprise. Also, I should point this out, even though the digger, boner, skeleton guy has a sword, he never uses it. Weird. (laughs) This dumbass show. uh, So it's almost like Glass Joe and Punch-Out, now that I think about it. Like even more embarrassing, just say, oh, "I'm going to hurt you, kid." Um, I can't really throw a punch because this is a nine o'clock show on kids' television. Uh... Ridiculous, completely ridiculous. Oh, so there <laughs> is. Um, there was the endless hallway where one was on a treadmill, and all they had to do was look at all the various items encountered in the hallway. Then the other person outside was presented like match game clues like hi blank. Uh, upon being told what item was encountered in the hallway, the teammate had to basically grab the item from the hallway, bring it out of the house, and then bring it to the person for five points. Oh, boy. And now, so whenever the kids had to go inside the mansion or outside the mansion, the crib keeper would have a nice little, oh, have a nice trip. Oh, that's right. He always he no and you're 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 joking about that, but no. You know like the have a nice trip, see you next fall joke? What if we can just say that like five times an episode? So it just the joke wears itself out. Now repeat that joke twenty times wherever many episodes they made. And suspiciously it's the exact same camera angle and exact same scene, almost like 
They just filmed that that one time and just played it for every time the kids have to go inside the house. Oh, oh I never oh saw this game, but I bet it's really boring. Uh, this is called Vampire's Lair. Uh, both players, one player went into a, a room that would light up via strobe lights for a few seconds and then go dark. The next player outside would guide the player inside to the middle of the room by looking at a video feed from a night vision camera. In the middle of the room was a switch that, when thrown, would awaken the vampire. Each team had 1 minute 45 seconds to reach this switch. The team that used less time to wake the vampire would receive 20 points. If neither team reached the vampire, no points were rewarded. So the point of the game was to wake up the vampire? Yeah, why don't you wake up the, the person who's going to bite you? Yeah, why don't you wake up the thing that's going to make you into an immortal being that's going to stab you, bite you into the neck, drain you of blood, and kind of turn you into a horrible creature? Wouldn't the idea be turn on the switch to, like, kill the vampire? Because, oh, no, the bright light? Something with that would make sense? No, yes, of course. That would be too smart and uh, too... uh, Just make too much sense for this damn game show. This very stupid game show. This very bad final... Okay. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, jeez. Uh, final round is Skullduggery. That was the bonus. This is the big final round. The scores have all been the same. Maybe it's a bit close, like 25 points each. So now we go on to the big point final round called Skullduggery. Not Skullduggery. Duggery. As you could have called him Dugger. And now we're going to call him Boner. We're renaming him Boner at this point. Boner should be named Boner. Also, if he was Duggar, it would also be inappropriate now in retrospect. Because now you're going to think of the Duggars and you're going to think about the. Oh, like, like, the like a Puckman situation. Yes, exactly. All right. Uh, <laughs> one member of each team entered the haunted house one last time in search of skulls. The players would usually search four rooms, but when the buzzer sounded, they would have to move on to the next room. After all the rooms were searched, they had to race out of the house and, with the help of their teammates, stack all of the skulls onto a large skewer. The first now, Jordan, was... were these rooms well lit and uh, pretty, like, easy to find a skull? No, or were I they? this was pain in the ass, Chris. I would say the worst lit game show I've ever seen in the final round. Also in this dark room, let's uh, use insane camera angles and like make people sick of watching it. You know, it would be great green tinted lights, so it looks make like it in as a yes, make basement. it <laughs> make it as unpleasing to the eye as possible. And then while this is going on, have like women scream in the background, like ah! have have chainsaw noises in the background, <laughs> have screeching cats. A complete nightmare. We know we never like. Oh man, they really nailed the spooky. No, we're mean like a physically ill nightmare up to watch. Like a like a rave that's gone past too long. You just want to get the <laughs> hell out of there. When I think it's too dark, it's too sweaty. People's hands are touching it. Now get out of and here. And then some PA has to reach their hand out of the room because they want to do a, a scare. Because it's a scare show. You have to go through the spooky haunted house. Uh, <laughs> yeah, nothing scarier than a. Oh no, a hand! Oh no, a human hand! Oh no, the the cardboard fake uh, saw blades are turned on. <laughs> <laughs> they are clearly not sharp because you can literally. Ch- the kids are touching them, so it's the not kid hurting ran them. Into it, we saw a kid run into the fucking saw blade. 
Nothing. He no firecrack. He has no depth perception. It's dark. Dark Smokey. This kid. This kid. If that was real, those should have been real saw blades, and there should have been a lesson. And let's make these rooms kind of like maneuverable. Oh, or, or maybe if you just want to be smart, maybe just make it like a maze. You know, like an actually like Hall of Mirrors kind of maze. Would that be fun? What? What? A, a maze? You know, like make it. Well, like, the, the, a mazes don't have associations with horror. That's crazy, Jordan. I don't know. Maybe if you were going to go through like a haunted house, like a like a house, you could easily make it like uh, the kitchen and then it's all messy because I have like messy, sloppy stuff. So it's kind of like a game show and then. Like it's full of like black goop instead of like regular Nickelodeon slime or food items and have like, or you go to a bathroom because you know, horror bathrooms, shower, psycho, wouldn't that have been spooky and then funny because you would hear like toilet sounds and flush because it's tales from the crypt and it's a little campy. No, 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 no. We're going to make it as dark as possible and have rope ladders everywhere so kids can accidentally fall and crash to the floor almost breaking their necks we saw a kid royally eat shit and then i was like oh man i hope there was crash padding and sure enough there was crash padding thankfully i thought there was concrete surprise i would not i would not be surprised they had no crash padding that they just had solid concrete floors at the end of these rope ladders (laughs) that's right ck they all had to sign liability laws saying they are not responsible for any injuries on set So as they go through like a hall of horror and the library and the basement, then they have to get out of the basement because in the home finish, they have to like do like a dash while their skulls hanging out like for last minute grabs. They have to get out and then they have to stack the skulls. If they can't finish the skewer, whoever got the most skulls wins. Very confusing. I do not. I still not sure whether the stacking of the skulls and the spikes were timed or not. I looked like kids were still going into the bag at the last second. It was all, it was a mess. It's like the first team to get 10 skulls onto a pole wins. I got like, that makes sense. If it was like, that's the game. Sure. But it's 50 points. And sometimes it didn't matter. Cause someone was, at least in this episode, someone was way ahead. And so it really didn't matter. Who won. No. But the no. grand prize was what it was all about. When you think horror, what do you think would be a great prize for a horror game show? Special oh, movies. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Some like toys, some horror icon toys, or you know, some uh, creepy crawlers or something. T- a t- uh, a TV, what do they win? Television, Jordan? television, media, movies. Something cool like that. What was it, Jordan? An Apple Macintosh. Nice. Which great. Which mean was fine. You can go on the internet. Sure. I'm sure you can go to Fangora.com, Fangora, and just go on their message board. Yeah, you can. Do, yeah, you can go on a uh, 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 skeletons and uh, sluts or whatever that horny website was that it's girls naked with skeletons. <laughs> a precursor to Suicide Girls. Yep. Uh, and runners up get an encyclopedia set from our friends at Gowler. Fantastic. Just to tell you how number two you were, the first prize completely makes the second prize obsolete. That's pretty much it. See, I was like, this is like, 
you don't do encyclopedias. It's not like an inner dis. When I think encyclopedias, I think like inner like you know educational. I think like okay, it's like a quiz show. This is like you know we're looking for smart kids who are in like middle school. If you're doing a horror themed game show, I would want more active i want more escape like i would assume if i was making a game show where it was you're escaping from the crypt keeper's haunted house maybe you would get an escape destination like you escape to disney world or i guess it's universal studios universal studios florida kitties <laughs> that may also makes so much sense and i don't know it's just like why not game system? I guess why not? you can buy scary games for it. you can buy spooky games for your game system. Why not that? A PlayStation One computer console. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Great. Play Resident Evil. That thematically makes sense. TV and game console. That would have meant a prize, especially around the same price as an Apple Macintosh computer. Oh boy. <laughs> Runners up received creepy crawlies, uh, scary books, goosebumps was all the rage. There you go. There, that's perfect. We solved the prize problem with uh, this dumbass game show. Goosebumps books for the runners up because they would not get pissed. Oh boy, I got goosebumps. No. I'm still a cool kid in school because I got goosebumps. <laughs> yeah, I got like a full collection of like the first books or whatever. It was to see that would have worked. That would have made more sense. It was also cheaper than Encyclopedia Set. Encyclopedia Sets back then were like 400 bucks. I mean, you throw in like nine Goosebumps books or eight or nine or ten, it's like 20 bucks. You're good. <laughs> they were very cheap even back then. Like, I even saved you some budget money, kids. <laughs> oh, and this show needed it. Oh, boy. Because <laughs> if anything, this show was too high budget. I mean, technically because of the CGI and the green screen, I could kind of see a bit of it. I guess it was fine. And, you, and then the craziest part was you telling me it won an Emmy. It was nominated. I, I, I wrong. It was nominated oh, at the okay. 1997 well. Daytime Emmys. Uh, it was Jeopardy, Wheel of Fortune, uh, The Price is Right, Debt with Wink Martindale, and this. Now, hold on. What was that last one you just said? <laughs> Debt with Wink Martindale. Now, what, now I have never heard. I've heard Jeopardy. I've heard Wheel of Fortune. What was debt? Okay, so follow me if you heard this idea for a premise. Like, like paid off. <clears throat> it was the '90s. Credit crunch all, all the time. People paid stuff with credit cards. So here was a game show where Wink Martindale would ask questions to people, with the gimmick being that if you win the show, we clear out your credit card debt, all like nine thousand dollars worth. Wow. That's... And then, in one final twist, you can turn that nine thousand in debt into another nine thousand in cash with a double or nothing final question in your realm of popular culture. Before we started the show today, you said The Simpsons. Our writers wrote down one question regarding The Simpsons. If you get it right, not only have we paid off your debt, we're giving you nine thousand dollars in cash. But if you're wrong, you go back to debt the way you started before the show even began. You go back to no. Oh my god. Well, you it's, we it's your specialist subject. I'll give you time to think about. It. We'll take a commercial break. <laughs> wow. Well, technically it would work today. That show would probably work pretty well today. We did that uh, on True TV with a show called Paid Off. Ah, there we of go. Credit card debt, it was college tuition loans 
And, yep, he, yep. and the gimmick was not like, oh, look, I paid too much money. I'm in credit. No, it was kind of like, yeah, isn't this kind of like fucked up? This like person is just going to nursing school and owes like $60,000. Like, this is kind of fucked up here. This person wants to be a school teacher and owes like six figures. Incredible. Isn't it nice to have to pay money to learn how to save lives? Incredible. <laughs> And every episode was just like, write to your congressman. This show should not exist. <laughs> like, <laughs> talk to your senators, anybody. Please, please. Like, Vote was, for Bernie. I would say, I hate to say, it was like the most leftist game of show so far I could think of in recent history. Simply put, because they were kind of like, it's fucked up. This is so fucked up. <laughs> We got to get these people out of debt. Please get better people involved. Never, never before as a show uh, asked itself, we should not exist. This game show shouldn't exist. But we, here was, we are. No, that was the entire premise. The producer said that should be the premise. This should not exist. The host was an advocate. Like, this should not exist. <laughs> Incredible. Going- That's great. That is fantastic. Well, now I have to watch it on True TV. Great. Hopefully, it's not on their. Uh, a marathon of impractical jokers, jokers and uh, carbonaro effect. <laughs> what a weird, what a uh, weird yeah, channel. No, <laughs> like I, I do like that though, because I like that final round question being something in the realm of expertise. And yeah, Arndale okay, that's basically good. Saying like, this is something you should know. You did say you you know the most about the Simpsons or we're tr- friends. Pra- yeah, and we're practically giving you the money. And then it's and if you don't, they still ask you the question anyway. So it's like no harm, no foul. If you say I want to just I walk away with nothing, and that's a joke. Like well, you're leaving with nothing. Oh my god, <laughs> crazy! Isn't Wink Martindale the uh, crazy one? He is the game show host that wears the wacky suits and has the big puffed up hair. Uh, did Tic Tac Doe? Uh, but he is not the one that is on Twitter and uh oh no that's chuck woolery thank you okay all right yes from uh he's still still a republican he's still a but he's not a chud he's not like a maga chud he's kind of like well i mean the gop is doing what they can i mean i don't know and chuck's here like just wearing a tinfoil cat going nancy pelosi thinks you get away with this i said get your guns out (laughs) <laughs> Get your hands out, and we'll be back in uh, two and two. <laughs> that was his catchphrase: two and two for the second amendment. I re- I remember that because <laughs> oof, chuckle. <laughs> also, I just apparently found this out: nineteen ninety five, the fourth annual Rock and Shock B Ball Jam was nominated for a game. So technically, I guess the Rock and Shock B Ball Jam is a game show. Now, please tell me you looked up what was the. <laughs> What was the cat? What were the people in the Rock and Jock? People jam in the fourth annual one. Oh, please tell me. Okay, let's see. Was here. it too early for Fred Durst? Was it too early? No, this was early. This was 1990. Oh, boy. Okay, so who we th- probably Jaleel White. No, even that would have been too soon. 94. Rock and <sighs> Jock. Here we go. Yes, I kind of uh, need this. I need this. The softball challenge. It wasn't the softball. It was the b-ball jam. Bill Bellamy was the team coach for the Violators. Hell yeah! Dan Cortesi with the Bricklayers. Oh boy! <laughs> oh Jesus! 
I want to see who else was in this. I'm going to fourth annual. According to IMDb, are you ready? Here's more people. Uh, you had the announcer was Van Earl Wright. Oh, jeez. They didn't really specify who's in this. Uh, Reggie. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Oh no, that Reggie tells me Miller. that's something good. <laughs> oh, Miller, I'm so excited. Sean Kemp, Rick Malcolm, yes. Chris Weber, because it's the NBA 90s. Fantastic, those are great players. <laughs> Joined by celebrity hoopsters. This is the LA Times. I'm reading his, the press release. Celebrity yes. hoopsters. Dean Kane of Superman. <laughs> yeah, boy. Don't oh, look yeah. up what he does now on Twitter. <laughs> no, please don't. Don't look him up. But yeah, that was the 90s Superman, all right? Queen Ooh. Latifah. Oh, fantastic. Yes, great. Boys awesome. to Men, who also performed the halftime show. R.I.P. Kobe Bryant. They sang his. Joey Lawrence. Joey Lawrence. Oh. Peak. Whoa. Joey Lawrence. Whoa. Whoa. David Charvet. Mark Curry. Oh, man, that comedian. Last time I heard him was Don't Forget Your Toothbrush. Uh, and others. Former Laker Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the general manager for the Violators. Bricklayers oh, were coached oh, by no. MTV's Dan Cortesi. Taped at UC Irvine, it benefits the Pediatric AIDS Foundation. Oh, well, that's... Oh, ooh, boy. All right, well... Not going to touch that? Funny enough, that's what I'm named after. I'm the Jordan who uh, discovered pediatric AIDS. That's that's where my Jordan is, not Michael Jordan. <laughs> so. Well, I'm glad you made the joke and I uh, can step aside and uh, save my... <laughs> save yourself some time there. But uh. to the Crypt Keeper Haunted House, the spookiest show... Production assistance provide. Oh yeah, hang on. There's some taglines here, according to the Game Show Fandom Wiki page. <clears throat> Crypt Keeper at the end. Production assistance provided by Universal Studios Florida. <laughs> yes, great, fantastic, Crypt Keeper. That's exactly what I want out of your mouth. And then you have to do the game show finale because you know, like every game show has to have like a sign-off phrase. You know, like help control the pet population. Yep. 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 So for, for for Steve Saunders, <clears throat> don't go away mad, and then the teams all have to yell out, just go away. <laughs> what? Yeah. Don't go away mad. Just go away. That's their sign off? Until next week, rest in peace. Okay, that's better. I will like, yeah, okay. Was that Crypt Keeper saying it? No, that's Steve. That's our friend Steve Wait, Saunders. Wait, what? No, that's... No, I keep saying Sean Saunders. Well, who who cares? But why was the, that his? No, it should have been Crypt Keeper. No, they shouldn't give creepy puns to the white guy. <laughs> what? It's our friend Steve Saunders. The CK ha- let him have it. The CK is like you. You, you do get it, your Sh- own pun this time. Steve. Come on, Steve. You pun it down. Then after the taping, we may want to have a little like a. Uh... And retreat over at the Golden Corral. Oof. <laughs> Do not want to see uh, the Crypt Keeper sticking his mouth under the chocolate fountain. That's right, CK. Up. You enjoy that chocolate fountain. I call this yeah, chocolate yeah, fountain yeah, yeah, yeah. the CF. <laughs> he just abbreviates everything he sees. 
going to go to the going to go to the GC with my friend CK and enjoy the CF. Oh man, we're gonna ride in this fantastic uh, 1994 TC. Do you have any CBD? No, I didn't say CBT. No, 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 that's different. No. No, that's what CK loves. CK loves that CBT. <laughs> that's right, kitty. <laughs> I call it corpse ball torture. <laughs> I always have a bone to pick with somebody. Jeez, uh, let me just see here. What is his at? I got it now. You know, I did not look this up, so this feels like I'm going to just like tie. I'm just like being some time. I got to see what is Steven Saunders up to these days. Okay, we gotta get yes. Give me uh, that Steve Saunders update. He hosted the show '96, and then was directed a documentary called "The World Party on Tour." Um, that's it. That's all you have. That's it. That's all. Oh no, nothing else. I feel bad. Uh, hopefully, him and CK still hang out. Uh, They're the. <laughs> Hopefully they be, they're like uh, Mel Brooks and Carl uh, Reiner. They'll be eighty years old and still hanging out. Oh gee, I, I'm going to. I wonder if he's related. I kind of. <laughs> I will laugh my ass off if it's like he's related to Joe Saunders or something from the broadcast. Uh, probably not. But no. <laughs> Steve Saunders. Oh boy. You know what? I would have, you know, I'm thinking about it. I would like to be the Steve Saunders of this show. I would like to be friends with CK. You just want to be friends? Yeah. I would like to host. A, I don't think I would uh, say as many like hip hop phrases to these young kids. But <laughs> I would like to hang all that in a bag of chips. Ooh, yeah. Get that junk in that trunk. Very weird, very just a bizarre show all around. Oh my god, <laughs> I'm so sorry for Steve Saunders. That's uh, everyone, please uh, send good vibes to Steve Saunders, uh, uh <laughs> sweet prince. So, I get. I mean, like, I don't know what else we can do with the show. <laughs> like, I would no, ask. No, like, honestly. <laughs> I guess we could talk about our favorite uh, Tales from the Crypt episodes. I guess that's related. I don't know. We got nothing else for this very dumb game show that sh- should have never existed. This should never exist, should not be revived. That's usually a second question. No, yeah, never revive. No, revive this show ever. Revive Tales from the Crypt. That was a great show. Uh, but just stay, keep kids away from the Crypt Keeper and his uh, CBT fetish. <laughs> just stay away. And should this show be revived? I don't think so. No, no, no. I, uh, there's no way this could be revived, even if it's like a kids love it. Yeah, I think we're too. I, th- I, I think 
Yeah, it would be too weird to have any kind of uh, kid show that also had a weird death overtone to it. It's very bizarre. It's a, it's a, it's a, a, a uh, well, I guess I don't know what the phrase is. Was it like, it's a, a something of its time. It's a artifact of its time. It will never be repeated. Never brought back. Not even if it's like Black Mirror secrets. The Black Mirror haunted house, or <laughs> oh man, and that, and that have fucking Charlie, Charlie Booker have to host the show and talk to kids. <laughs> you kids on your smartphones, you think you're all better? You want to? You want to play the smartphone game? You want to play a smartphone game? Well, how about the smartphone that plays you? How about you? You you like a prison? Well, guess what? The prison's in your mind. And then we get some GIF images, and <laughs> yes, and, and they would use the exact same fire effect from this show. No, no explanation, and we'd love to see it. Uh, so <clears throat> before we get out of here, Chris, it's time for our exciting lightning round. Oh boy! Five questions, sixty seconds. Answer all five. Each one you get right is one free plug. You get all five. That's five potential plugs. Okay. Got the rules. All right. Hit me. Six seconds on the clock. Favorite Nintendo 64 video game? Uh, Ocarina of Time. Favorite horror movie franchise? Nightmare on Elm Street. Where does the Crypt Keeper live? <laughs> Jesus Christ, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> in his haunted house I correct know. what would okay. your team name be uh dead possums favorite room in the crypt keepers haunted house uh his secret sex dungeon we never got to see <laughs> that's correct five for five yay chris <laughs> what would you like to plug a five things to plug all right, well, let's go. Uh, uh, honestly, do not have that much to plug, but hey, uh, my Twitter at uh, capital C Chris M Vera, uh, all one word. Check me out. Uh, I'm gonna do this new thing, I'm gonna start doing this new thing on Twitter. Uh, I'm gonna start telling jokes. Oh, I heard that's that's a that's a new thing, not been done that much on Twitter. Jokes. No, 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 no. I heard it's a, it's a new fad. And I heard it started on TikTok and now it's heading its way to Twitter. Uh, I'm going to start doing bad jokes. Let's see how they work. Uh, but besides that, the other plug I have is um, uh, my Twitch stream. It's uh, Chris underscore M underscore Vera at Twitch. And uh, starting to schedule, trying to do my schedule up, uh, going to be streaming more. So check me out. Some hot new games like uh, Super Mario 64 and uh, Star Wars Rogue Squadron. For Recently, the you got plastered drunk. Recently, I drank uh, so much so that in the middle of the stream, had to go and vomit all over my house. <laughs> oh, Good man, times. You should have changed your name to Chuck, because <laughs> then oh. everyone would be, what's up, Chuck? Oh, thank, thank you, Crypt Keeper. Thank you for that punch-up. Oof. Are you WGA, Crypt Keeper? With all these puns, you should be writing. 
Alrighty. Um, I think that's you have three utter plugs. Uh, <laughs> uh, I guess I'm going to use all three for hey, uh, vote for Bernie. Vote for Bernie. Bernie. Vote for Bernie. Bernie and Bernie. All right. Done, done, and done. Chris, right. thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you, Jordan. It was a great time and uh, happy Dead Thing Pun. Thanks again to Chris for stopping by. That's Chris and Vera on Twitter and Chris underscore M underscore Vera on Twitch. Uh, Bernie's going to win. Uh, anyway, uh, this is also fascinating stuff because I always like doing this research here. Uh, the theme song uh, was the Tales from the Crypt theme, obviously, uh, from Tim Burton. But anything else that wasn't that do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do uh, came from Robert J. Walsh. Now, I figure I want to take this moment to talk about Robert J. Walsh. Unfortunately, he passed away in 2018 at the age of 70, but he co-founded the Hollywood Film Music Library and he helped design Screen Music Studios. And this was a uh, audio place that was also famous in the world of animation because this was the booths where Rugrats, Ren, Stimpy, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, were created. This is the place where you would hear, uh, you know, Ren and Stimpy and the Happy, Happy, Joy, Joy song and all that other great stuff. So there's a connection with not just Back to the Future, but animation all tied to the world of game shows. Uh, also, I just, once again, am kind of surprised here that uh, Secret of the Crypt Keeper's Haunted House uh, it not only is not is a game show, but so is apparently the Rock and Chalk B-Ball Jam. So if you are a athlete of some kind or love sports and want to talk about the Rock and Chalk B-Ball Jam by uh, the same, I guess, uh, efforts as the Academy of Television Arts and Sciences, please stop on by. Let's talk about the Rock and Chalk. Uh, doing some quick research before we finish this off, they still have the official website to Seekers of the Crypt Keepers Haunted House up on CBS uh, through the means of the archive. And I'm going to read off what it says. The, first of all, there's a really kick-ass GIF image, which I can't really explain other than glowy red eyes because horror. Um, but here it is. It's uh, 11 Eastern, 10 Pacific. <clears throat> This is what it says. This is all it is on the website, by the way. <laughs> the Crypt Keeper, unquestionably the ghoul of everybody's dreams, now brings his spooktacular personality, outrageous puns, and a whole lot more to CBS Saturday Morning with his hack sighting new adventure competition game show, Secrets of the Crypt Keeper's Haunted House. Each week, two daring teams of unsuspecting victims will go head-to-head -head in a series of competitions as they attempt to unlock the many secrets hidden away in the creepy rooms, halls, and chambers of a mysterious, morbid manter. Don't miss the Crypt Keeper's monthly brain drain. <laughs> what? I'm guessing it was like a puzzle booklet you can get. And check out the Cryptober Creepstakes. Crypto... Crypt... October Creepstakes. Secrets of the Crypt Keeper's Haunted House, the new virtual reality adventure game, is on CBS Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern, right after Bailey Kipper's POV. <laughs> what the hell is this? I gotta hang on. I, I don't normally do this. I, what the hell is Bailey Kipper's POV? 
According to Wikipedia, Bailey Kipper's POV is American children's sitcom that aired on Saturday mornings from September 4th to December 14th, starring Michael Galletta. Oh, okay. John Acorn and Meg Whitner. It lasted for 13 episodes, 30 minutes length on BBC, CBBC, as well as Nickelodeon in the UK by MTM Enterprises. Bailey Kipper's young age 11 is beliled by his wit and sophistication. His father works at a local TV station and often brings home junked bits of technical equipment for his son to mess around with. For Bailey is an electronics wizard. He constructs an elaborate spy system with which, via miniature cameras in the form of eyeballs, he has concealed all over the house and in his family's clothing and even in the dog's collar. He can record the family's daily activity, creating a video diary of their lives and edit the footage for comic effect with special effects. His viewing area is hidden away in a part of the house where he has made inaccessible to the others. Each episode presents the results of Bailey's handiwork as he re-ran recent events in the lives of the Kipper family, mom, dad, little brother Eric, and older sister Robin. Wow. Uh, so this was a Big Brother sitcom before Big Brother. Uh, <laughs> I... I that's very uh sure you know what that's that's that goes to tell you you never know what to expect here uh i I don't know whatever happened to any of those actors but we know that to me that just cracks me up because because all i remember was they replaced this with wheel 2000 with cyber lucy and uh there was not that really much with the cbs saturday morning lineup in the like 90s because remember everything was like pokemon everything was like animaniacs pinky in the brain uh tiny two adventures batman the Man series uh digimon in later half uh sailor moon in some areas that cbs kind of got like ignored for a good chunk of it so did nbc it really was a battle between kids wb and fox for a while there and uh they tried but most of the time, I just remember Beekman's world, and that's about it. Uh, Beekman! What was that theme song? What was that? What was that Beekman's world theme song? Can we, can we get some audio playing or? Beekman's world. Let's. Yeah, this is what I remember. Yeah, Beekman's world. Do 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 do. Boo ba do boo boo boo. Do 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 do. Ball ball ball. And all this like overlaying graphics, very 90s graphics, very reminiscent of like music videos at the time. No way, there's that rat. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I forgot this is a game show podcast. Uh, I guess I should stop watching Beekman's World. So, um,. Yeah, Secrets of Crypt Keeper's Haunted House. What a weird-ass game show. <laughs> uh, fascinating in terms of technology, CGI work, but ultimately forgettable in a multitude of other reasons and seen by many as just kind of like an existing horror game show for kids. But hey, if you were a fan of Tales from the Crypt, it's worth trying to look out just because, hey, more Crypt Keeper. But that's about it. Anyway, it's time for the 110-part series exploring every pricing game from The Price is Right. This is the Pricing Game Spotlight.
Make your mark. Or Barker's Markers, I guess it's what it used to be called. Premiere date, September 12th, 1994, 9261D as Barker's Markers. Finale date of Bob Barker, May 23rd, 2007, 4003K as Barker's Markers. Premiere date with Drew Carey, February 21st, 2008, 4214K as Make Your Mark. Finale date, October 16th, 2008, 4464K. I miss hearing that. Anyway, uh, Barker's Markers, we'll call it that or make your mark. It's a game where players can win three prizes and $500 cash. Contestants get $500 in cash and shown four prices on a game board. Three of those prices correspond with three prizes. The fourth is an extra price and it does not match. Uh, contestants ask to place markers beside three prices that correspond with the three prizes. The contestants are not required to specifically match the prices to their prizes. It's just which number is which. They're only required to choose three prices that are correct. Then they correctly place uh, two of the f- of the three lit up because, well, default, there's four, leaving a third price and two possible prices. The contestant's then given one option. Return the $500 to switch the markers or leave it as is. If they switch and it's wrong, it's game over. If they switch and it's right, you may have lost the $500, but you win all three prizes. If you stop and you are right, you get all three prices and $500. If the marker is correctly placed, contestant wins all three prices plus $500 have not returned. If they're incorrect, however, they get nothing. And that includes if they decide to keep it where it is and they are wrong. They lose all three prices and the $500. Games originally named Barker's Markers referred to host Bob Barker. When Barker's Bargain Bar was on hiatus, there was no games currently being played, which referred to Barker in name. Third game, now retired Trader Bob, was played from 80 to 85. The name change after his final playing under Barker was May 23rd, 2007, accompanied by a completely updated game prop. The origin name of Make Your Mark lies within 1994's New Prices Right, in which the game's name was changed for its single appearance, hosted by Doug Davidson, not Bob Barker. On this version, the sign reading Make Your Mark was placed over the Barker's Markers lights. In a comedy bit that would have possibly been done as a running gag, Doug handed the contestant $100, only have the contestant a producer walk on random, it was supposed to be $500. The game's three prices had different staging during early playings of the game, uh, resting on risers, then plays on the stage floor, displays in prices. The original staging caused confusion when prices space were displayed between prices. More familiar staging debuted March 24th, 1995. Also, on very early playings, prices lit up on the game. In later playings, the prices exposed underneath the prizes. On February 21st, 2008, contestants began placing markers themselves rather than verbally choosing a price and the host marking the appropriate selection. This is also the first playing under the new name. The game was retired after Drew Carey explained the rules incorrectly on its only appearance on Season 37. Staying that as long as a contestant did not move the third marker, they would keep the $500 no matter what. But in order to avoid embarrassing Drew, the staff decided on the fly that that would be the game's new rules and allowed the playing to proceed. After the taping, the staff decided the game would never be played again. Who knew $500 would be the difference maker on this one little game? Uh, most number of times this game was played in a season was 18. So essentially, you have a 75% chance of winning the game with a 25% chance of leaving it as is. Similar to the, uh, the Monty Hall dilemma. It's because the placement of three markers also effectively a choice of the wrong price. Uh, if there's only one in four chance, the price is made correctly in other scenarios, actual wrong price will be left to switch. Uh, unlike the Monty Hall, however, 
Uh, contestant Maker Mark does not choose randomly the doors. They get to pick their prizes. So if I were you, if I were to play the game, I'd make sure to pick the most expensive three prizes or the least expensive. So that way, when you get to reveal the two, you got to make a decision between the two prices. Uh, that's what I would say with Make Your Mark. Uh, it's actually not that bad of a game, but because of just this one confusion by Drew Carey, this game would wind up just disappearing. Next time on the Price and Game Spotlight, freeze frame! Boo, 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 boo. Ah, yes, the padded part of the show. Uh, this was where Catchpoint would have been, but because of uh, time constraints or the fact there's no news, that went to the front. So this is the part where we'll be taking your questions. And, you know, we love your questions. If you have a question, send it to me at Jordan Hodge over DHA or on the Facebook uh, over at uh, Game Shows Podcast. Uh, this one comes from Point Click Dead, friend of the show. Uh, yeah, that's right. There are people who listen to the show. I, I, I'm just as confused sometimes. But happy. Uh, I would love to hear you talk about what would you do if you can make a game show? What would it be called? What would it consist of? I mean, don't tell anybody, but I have like 50 different formats at any given time. And some of these I keep under wraps because of that off time that maybe, just maybe, it might end up being a show if I ever get an agent and get to an executive and explain the show and, and see how it goes. It takes a lot to get into a game show. Uh, obviously, I love rebooting shows. If a show would exist, how would this exist? Uh, and I was going to do a fake game show for April Fool's Day. That was going to be the big bit, but A, I'm lazy and tired. B, coronavirus really just ruined a lot uh, over here. That I don't know how much comedy I can really do in the world of game shows. I mean, I could do like fake 70s game shows or a fake like 2000s edgy game show. Uh, remember the million dollar match game coming soon? That was fun. Um, <clears throat> but instead, uh, I decided to take three from the vault and uh, just explain it real quickly what they would be called and what it would consist of. Because I feel game shows are fun and they should expand. And I decided here are my three that I want to just tell the world right now. Um, I don't know if this is considered a copyright. Should I just... Uh, mail the this uh this mp3 file to myself as like a cheap copyright i don't know uh here we go though i made three shows so this is what's going to take the time the first one is called elevator pitch uh four strangers enter an elevator in the middle of a skyscraper somewhere and the catch is they're trapped inside the elevator oops don't worry it's a nice cozy elevator it's not like a crampy cramp elevator and they are told one of them will, could walk away with $10,000. The only thing standing in their way are the other three players. All they have to do is convince them they are worth the money. The vote must be unanimous. A 3-1 vote. Whoever gets the three walks out with $10,000 within the hour. If, within the, if after an hour no vote is unanimous, nobody walks away with money. That's the game show. So you will see people like talk about their income, sob stories, try and talk, but they only have an hour to do convincing. You could have four people all unanimously vote for one person, but they're still stuck for the hour. So what's going to happen in that hour? You don't know. 
That's what makes the show exciting. It's yes, there's a small top prize. Now, originally, I was planning on calling it one million dollars in a in a knife, uh, because that's pretty much what the show is. But we made it smaller, both with a ten thousand dollar prize and for contestants, because without a doubt, there's going to probably be high tension because they're stuck in a confined space. There's no escaping, by the way, because they're in that confined space. You have people who are playing for. A good amount of money. Now, I said $10,000. Uh, 25000 would, of course, make a lot more sense, but I don't want to go too much money. I don't want to go hundred grand or fifty grand because when you go with such a higher stakes amount of money, that's when you see a lot of people get into what I call uh, a heightened version of themselves, kind of like a YouTuber, where it is, I mean life-changing amounts of money when you get into that territory like that's people's salaries for a year with ten thousand dollars it's you know it's a it's a big shitload of money though because that's like half a year's salary a quarter of a year's salary to some people so ten thousand dollars is a good fuck whiffable money i mean like you can put down payment on a house you can pay off some student loan debts you can pay off some credit cards with that money but it's not enough to do a lot which makes it just enough to make this exciting. That's why it's a game show minimum, but it also works for this because now there's stakes. When you have a game show like this, you have a stakes because now they have to work as a team to pick out the unanimous person so someone wins the money. But if no, if the vote is not is split like a 2-2 two, two or a 1-1-2, one, one, nothing gets won so nobody wins. Is it better that nobody wins versus somebody walking out with $10,000? That is the decision. And that's what I wanted to uh, create with this game show. And of course, because it's like a hidden camera reality show, there's like security cameras all over the place and little hidden cameras located in security banks so you can see everything as it unfolds. Uh, here's my second game show. This is a primetime quiz show. Uh, I called it Versus the World. I know, like Scott Pilgrim, but whenever. It's called Versus the World. Uh, this is a quiz game show. Now, it's a house versus it's a player versus house game, but the house is composed of the world pretty much. You the audience, you listening to this right now, you would be a contestant on this game show just as much as the player in the studio. Because you have gone and made a question up, you upload it to YouTube or wherever is the official website, cbs.com, fox.com, whatever. And you asked a question related to your area of expertise so if you love star wars you ask a star wars question something in fashion a fashion question music music uh what is the name of lady gaga's last album something like that would be your question and then you would say the answer is blank that is how the show works you come up with like a because everyone has a social media presence everyone can do an instagram video a tiktok so in that 15 seconds it does do a dance you can record a video where you're asking a question with an answer. That video gets uploaded and it's put up on the wall. The in-studio player gets shown three people, their profiles, their names, ages, places, locations, little factoids about them, and like a little silly fun fact. Then they got to make a decision. for, And the first question is worth $10,000 and it goes up from there. Uh, you get to pick one of the three. We get to see that video, that little 10-second clip. They have to come up with an answer. There's, it could be true or false, multiple choice, but it's all at the discretion of the person making the video. So I recommend just making it an open-ended question. Uh, if the person in studio gets the question correct, 
they bank the money. If they go and lock in an incorrect answer, the world gets the money. Whoever has the most money after 10 questions wins the money. If the world gets more money than the in-house player, the world gets to split the money. If it's mathematically more possible for the in-house player, the in-house player gets to bank that money. And that's right, even if it's mathematically impossible, the game must continue just so you can be a spoiler. So here's how it works. You'll see three people. You'll see like, here's like a 20-year-old who loves drawing. Here's like a 40-year-old who loves cars. And then like a grandma who's in her 70s and they love music. And based on those three photos, sight unseen, the in-house player has to pick their category. Now there's a twist. The first question's worth $10,000, right? And it goes up from there. 20,000, 30,000, 40,000, 50,000, 60,000, 70,000, 80,000, 90,000 with the 10th and final question worth $100,000. If they want to, because this is a fun game, if they want to, they can opt out of the question and switch with the other two players in the round. But in doing so, they lose half the bank. So $10,000 becomes $5,000. They get to see the same question and the same fate appears. If they're right, they get the $5,000. If they're wrong, the world gets the $5,000. But if they're still unsure, they can opt out one last time and they play for a quarter of the bank, $2,500 for you or the world, but they must answer that third and final question. Kind of like show me the money, but with the stakes higher and higher with each question and with the world, literally you at home asking the questions. So you who just submitted the question, you could potentially walk out of here with thousands of dollars tonight just for sitting in your room asking a question. And that's the appeal. It's an interactivity. You at home can play. The in-house player gets to play And it's that heightened sense of everyone's out to get him, literally, with these weird trivia questions. So it can be pop culture, it can be history, geography, whatever is your fascination, which I also love. Which means you'll always have updated questions, you'll always get to see new people, you'll always get to meet people, and because it's a trivia show... There's a play-along factor with you at home because you see the questions, you can play. So sort of like Trio Pursuit America Plays, but instead of the America Plays aspect being like with weird trivia questions, it's only up to 30 questions per episode. And there is no fallback. You must go through pretty much at least 10 questions per game, which makes it that much more fascinating because that means a top prize of up to $550,000. So over half a million dollars up for grabs, um, <clears throat> which I kind of enjoy in, in terms of a quiz show because now you get to be the quiz master. You get to be the host. Well, there's an in-studio host as well, you know, saying, are you sure it's this? Are you going to lock in? It's this. Uh, and of course, there's that risk reward aspect where you can walk away from this question, but you lose half the bank in the process. Well, you know, you'll have like what you got correct so far. It's like, you know, you're playing for 40,000. Are you sure you want to walk away? Because then it's only worth 20,000. Then it's only worth 10,000. That's what I kind of want in the show. Kind of that do I, that take the lifeline comes at a risk. 
But if you go for on the first try on this first question, you lucked out. Maybe you have a hunch and you want to play that hunch. You can risk it and go for the bigger money. And of course, then there's that strategy. Maybe you want to just lay low on the last half because then if it's the $100,000 question, it's 50000 and 25000 which would also make it an exciting kind of final question. Uh, and my final show I wanted to pitch uh, is something I, I've had in a, qu- in a quiz bank for about 10 years now. I like the idea of a bank heist. I've seen the bank job. I like the crystal maze, and I kind of wanted something to be kind of like crystal maze meets a bank heist, kind of like the bank job, but more over the top, more elaborate, kind of plays into the game theory aspects that we have in a lot of game shows. And after seeing like things like 9990 Escape, something that also makes you distrust others as well. So this is a game show we're calling The Heist. It's an escape room show meets like a bank heist. There are five strangers who have never met each other and are in different areas in this multi-dimensional set, pretty much. This weird arena where anything in any room could happen. It could look like a haunted house. It could look like a futuristic bank. It could look like a library. It could look like a medieval uh, temple. Each room has a different setup and a different getup. But one thing is always sure. The, the exit house always looks the same. It always looks like a bank vault. It always looks like this futuristic uh, uh, safe where there is just this one lonesome button on a little stand. And that's it. And, a, and there's also a ticking clock. It's the only room in the entire set with the ticking clock. The five strangers have only one hour to escape from the set, which is actually kind of simple. The ways they're because they have to escape from their own individual rooms while also trying to figure out ways to make money along the way. Uh, so it's one way to get out on a lonesome self, but it's another to work as a team or work by yourself to amass money. In various rooms are safes, vaults, chests, keys, and others that contain hundreds of thousands of dollars. Up to two and a half million dollars is hidden in these sets. It could be anywhere from inside little bank vaults, into bookshelves, you name it. Now, they can form relationships. They can form alliances, work in a group of two or three, or work as a whole group of five to form that big alliance. Uh, all they are told is the only way to quote unquote win money on the show is they have to be in the escape room with money and press the button before the hour is up. Now, here's where the twist is. Only money that's placed in the exit room is the cash reward for the show. If multiple people are in that room when the buttons press, they split the money. So if you made $100,000 and you hit the button, you both walk away with $50,000. If there's three, then you split up 33, 3, 3, 3, 3. Uh, However, if nobody presses that button within the hour, nobody wins any money. The game will continue, though, if someone pushes the button before the hour. So even though the money is already banked and someone's guaranteed the win, the escape paths are useless. And this is also to provide a climactic finish where the team finds out the results when the hour has elapsed. This means, by the way, that someone could sabotage the other's efforts. So you can work with the team. 
build up a pot because remember, all the money inside the room is all that matters. And then when everyone's off doing their own thing, you can slowly walk away spy games-ish, go into the room and push the button yourself and take home everything and then run back to the office and then continue playing the game. You can play that uh, villain, quote-unquote. They always say that's a villain move if you want, but you are the sole winner because no one else was looking at you at the time. Now, if you get caught, that's a different story. But that makes for a fascinating game where, during the hour, you start questioning everyone's motives. Do you trust somebody as you're trying to grab money? Is this money really worth it? Do I really need to exert this to like pedal this bike a thousand times? to uh, move this little plunger up so that a big money bag full of $100,000 drops all out of the sky? I don't know. But it makes for this fun puzzle that is one part that mole game with the multiple rooms with different phones. Uh, another part of, a, of like a crystal maze, here's different games being played in different rooms as well. Mix with the escape room. If you escape, you can go to the money room, grab some money, and if you work as a team, it's easier to grab money so you can work as a team. So it becomes a foot race. It becomes this crazy dash for cash. And there's a live ticking clock because it's an hour. And if this is an hour-long game show, it's presented pretty much in real time. So there really is no stoppage. There really is no breaks. If someone's confused and they don't know what's going on for 15 minutes, you, the audience member, is going to see probably like nine minutes of them going, I don't know what to do. Oh, oh, I don't know. And there's no confessional. I do not want any confessional in this show. I want this to be such a, a show where you see the person screw up, but the camera points at what to do. That you, the viewer, screams, you idiot, this is what you have to do. And you think you can do better than the contestants in, in, the, in the studio. And that's what I kind of want. I want this game show where if you play the perfect game, one person can walk out with to win a half million dollars. But theoretically, five people can split two and a half million dollars. But because it's only an hour and time is of the essence, you're only going to really see maybe like a couple hundred thousand dollars won on primetime television, maybe per episode, unless nobody pushes the button in time, which also could be a thing. Maybe you have like five minutes left on the clock and there's another game and you see like a huge check for $500,000 and it takes a whole lot of effort. But the time is clicking and so far no one's knowledge, no one pushed the button. So do you continue playing knowing five minutes is left to complete this one challenge or do you run back and go into the escape room and hit the button so you have the guaranteed money that you've banked so far? Because if you go for it and time runs out, no money is won. So there's all of this strategy, all of this chaos, all of this insanity, and it just plays into this chaotic world that you want to create, where it it's clear whoever designed this heist clearly does not want anyone to win money. But at the same time, they want to make it so everyone is their own little main character in their own little world in this adventure. So you can root for the player that started out in the library room, or you can start, or you can root for the player that's stuck in like a fake children's set of a children's like entertainment show, and it just goes from there, where it's like you already gave everyone a little personality at the start because they're all in separate rooms, and then as it grows into that mid half where everyone escapes and they're all working together, you get to pick your favorites, you get to pick who you want to see win, 
and it grows from there. It makes this very exciting dynamic where it is, can someone win money on the show while it is as simple as like going through a laser maze or figuring out a four-digit code? But how do you know a four-digit code? There's lots of four-digit codes in this room. Well, did you know there's only one four-digit code in this one room and that was the actual four-digit code? Things like that to make it complicated, complex, and very, very interesting. Because this is what you want to make the show. You want to make it chaotic. You want to make it silly. You want to make it stupid. But you also want to make people just have a nervous breakdown as they try to, like, basically, because this is a maze, crack the world's biggest puzzle to win the world's largest sum of money in game shows. Even though it's not $13 million, but $2.5 million ain't bad. Uh, and plus, it's cooperation games. So, so you're also promoting uh, teamwork, working together, um, but also there's that judgment of others. There's that one biz sabotage if you really want to play that. And that also makes for a fascinating, interesting format. So those are three of my shows. Uh, Elevator Pitch, uh, Versus the World, and The Heist. Uh, that's that's all I have. I have others. I can go into a lot of these game shows and more expansions. Uh, who wants to host? Uh, lighting kits, what the theme song should be like, all the sort of things that I vision in my head of what the show would look like. But I'm saving that for a rainy day. So just give me a call. Uh, I think we need to see a bank heist type game show because that's the one format I haven't seen. And I love things like the Crystal Maze. But I think something where it's it's even more... Uh, over the top would be more fun in my mind anyway that's it happy april fool's day that's how means we are out of time so unfortunately that's the end of this episode thank you so much for tuning in uh you can check me out on twitter at twitter.com slash jordha j-o-r-d-h-a listen to more episodes at jordanhaas.com slash podcast and we have a patreon patreon.com slash jordanhaas uh check it out there's not that much game show content as much as just other miscellaneous stuff but hey patreon everyone has it these days um i want to thank you once again for checking out this podcast tell a friend about it uh, be sure to subscribe over on I- Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Play and I guess Spotify, where everyone listens to podcasts these days. So thank you so much for tuning in. Join me next week when we'll talk about another great game show, I suppose. Until then, big smooch. Mwah!